0: the latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Schampoli, APPA's news director. Our guest in this episode is Darren Springer, general manager of Vermont Public Power Utility, Burlington Electric Department. Darren was a guest on Public Power Now in 2021. Darren, thanks for returning as a guest. Well, it's great to be with you again. So, Darren, just to get our conversation started, I wanted to focus on some some recent news involving the utility and the Vermont Public Power Supply Authority, uh, which we actually reported on in our newsletter. You know, as you know, in, in early January, uh, the Vermont Public Power Supply Authority announced that Burlington Electric Department had joined uh, VPPSA as a strategic member. So uh, against that backdrop, could you provide additional details about how the utility is going to benefit from from this move? Absolutely. You know, in Vermont, we're a relatively small state and we do have a number of
1: electric utilities, including a number of municipal electric utilities. And uh, Vermont Public Power Supply Authority, or VEPSA, as we sometimes refer to them, has done a tremendous amount of, of work helping a number of the Municipal utilities coordinate uh, efforts on everything from policy to uh, power supply and and markets and procurement and a variety of different functions. And Burlington Electric, being the largest uh, municipal electric utility in the state, has had history with VEPSA dating back uh, to, I believe, to its founding. We haven't been a member in a period of time, and we're joining as a strategic member, which allows us to participate in different ways uh, with VEPSUP. We actually have had some staff sharing uh, arrangements over the past several years where our teams have coordinated uh, to share resources in terms of uh, different staff uh, capacity that we may have. We can coordinate now on things like uh, financing uh, where that's helpful. And uh, we'll have the opportunity to you know, perhaps Uh, work together on programs. Uh, VEPSA members are given certain dispensation under Vermont law to work as a collective on certain things and meet certain types of requirements uh, collectively. There may be opportunities for that. Uh, So really, there are a variety of ways we may work together. And we're uh, excited
0: about having that strategic partnership uh, with VEPSA and with the other municipal public power utilities in the state. In late 2023, it was announced that the utility would receive funds from the Department of Energy for the utility's uh, building grid edge integration and aggregation network of thermal storage project. So, could you describe this project for our listeners and how the utility and its customers will benefit from the project? Absolutely, and of course, we have a great acronym with that long title that you just mentioned, which is Building Giants,
1: uh, which makes right. it easier to to uh, to remember. But yeah, we were really fortunate to be. Uh, selected for this uh, federal grant. And as you mentioned, there have been a number of great opportunities uh, through recent federal legislation to uh, apply for these types of grants. We're really fortunate to be selected uh, to move forward. And what we're looking at here is really a couple different types of of building uh, approaches, one of which I'm actually uh, helping to pilot uh, along with a a handful of customers uh, in advance of this grant And, and now it'll be, uh, helping to support the implementation here, which is the idea that if we have customers with heat pumps, which we're increasingly, uh, seeing many customers, uh, switch to cold climate heat pumps. And I've had them, uh, in my house for a portion of the house since, uh, 2013. So we've got about 10 years of experience with them and they work well in Vermont's climate, the new cold climate versions. You know, you can run them down well past, uh, you know, zero or even negative five, negative 10 degrees. But the idea is, is we have more of these. There's an opportunity uh, similar to what we've done in the electric vehicle space with our off-peak rate to find ways to reduce the peak impact of devices like a heat pump. And so part of this uh, grant opportunity is to help customers who have heat pumps uh, receive devices that will be able to help control the heat pump for the customer and then also allow the utility to send a signal to the heat pump to reduce its usage just a little bit uh, during those peak times. And also to have uh, devices that can go in the electric panel to monitor the usage so that we can really confirm that we're getting uh, the peak savings that we need uh, through the heat pumps. So as kind of a reference point, if we have a couple times a month a peak event, what would happen is uh, you're running your heat pumps. You've got an app on your phone now because you've got one of these devices installed uh, you're able to adjust your thermostat on your heat pump right on your phone. Now you're going to get a notification a day ahead from Burlington Electric saying, "Hey, we think there's going to be a peak period uh, between you know six and eight o'clock tomorrow evening, and you'll have the opportunity to participate in helping us save by allowing your heat pump to be adjusted a couple of degrees perhaps uh, during that peak. And of course, any individual heat pump doing that is only going to save a little bit of electricity, but if we can do it over. You know, a thousand or two thousand or three thousand heat pumps over time. You can really aggregate those savings for the benefit of customers and reduce our overall uh, power supply costs. So that's one element of the, of the program. Uh, there's also going to be an aspect that's working more with commercial buildings as well and different sets of technologies, but same concept to find ways to reduce peak demand, shift peak demand as we move towards electrification. So I'm really excited about this and I'm hopeful we'll be able to roll out. Uh, programs for our customers uh, in 2024 related to these uh, technologies.
0: Quick follow-up question. I was just curious, can you comment at all in terms of the whole uh, application process as it relates to the DOE? It's definitely uh, a good amount of work. And Mm -hmm. uh, we are,
1: you know, we're the largest municipal electric utility in the state, third largest utility overall, uh, but we're still a relatively small operation. And uh, it's definitely been uh, sometimes challenging to find Uh, the staff capacity to get these um, applications completed. However, we've had a great effort from our team and we've had great coordination uh, really across the state on on some of these applications where we've had a statewide approach with all the Vermont utilities participating. Uh, In some cases, we have one that is just Burlington Electric, like the one that we were just talking about. And I'm really grateful to our staff that we've been able to put in Uh, the time and effort to develop these applications, you know, you're not going to be funded for all of them. But when one of them comes through, like the one we were just talking about,
0: you know, it can have a really significant impact for our customers and it makes it well worth the time investment. And I would imagine, you know, going through the process once makes it somewhat less daunting in terms of going back again and, and making a similar application.
1: Yeah, you start to become more familiar with some of the systems, some of the processes. and. You know the folks we've worked with at the Department of Energy on these have been uh, have been great to work with, I and mean, they're they're moving through quite a bit of funding. Um, you know, given the recent. Uh, Infrastructure legislation, the Inflation Reduction Act. So we're appreciative of their
0: work on all of that as well. So, Darren, in preparing for this interview, one of the things that jumped out at me um, is a development that that, uh, came about in late 2023, specifically a University of Vermont solar research and training facility located at the McNeil Generating Station in Burlington was energized in October 2023. Can you provide additional details about this facility and the role that the utility played in the facility's development? Absolutely. And this is a great story, too,
1: um, that I've had the uh, privilege to be involved with in a couple of different capacities because back in uh, 2012-2013 timeframe, I was actually working for Senator Sanders in Washington, Mm -hmm. D.C. on energy and climate work. And we had worked with uh, Sandia National Lab and the Department of Energy and identified that Vermont um, was going to be host to one of five solar regional test centers uh, across the country. And the idea was we were going to test solar you know, production and get verifiable data for solar panel uh, manufacturers in a cold weather environment like Vermont. And that was located originally at the IBM facility here uh IBM uh eventually transferred their facility to Global Foundries and because of some different real estate aspects the solar test center that was in use here uh ended up being decommissioned and we had gone when I when I came to Burlington Electric in 2017 our team uh, had went to visit the solar test center when it was up and running still at Global Foundries and it, it was a wonderful facility you saw a lot of interesting research happening there we were able to work with senator sanders office and with the department of energy and with sandia as they were decommissioning to explore how to use some of the assets from that facility in a productive way and we we brought in um, different partners to that effort uh, particularly the university of vermont which played a leading role in helping to make this uh, new research facility at the mcneil generating station happen and so uvm along with um, the joint owners of McNeil, which includes Burlington Electric, includes VEPSA, and includes Green Mountain Power, and a variety of partners, including Center Sanders. We worked to make sure that we could get some of the racking, some of the panels, some of the test equipment uh, relocated to uh, the McNeil Generating Station, stay in Vermont, and it's going to provide a real-world uh, research facility for University of Vermont and its students. And one of the great things is we have some some really excellent uh research professors at the university who are looking at solar looking at distributed generation and and all of those types of things but one of the great things was we heard from a student uh, an engineering student at the uh grand opening of this facility about how it was one thing to sort of learn about these things within a computer model uh, but it's another thing altogether to be able to run real world tests with real panels real equipment uh, real weather interruptions and see how they work and what types of factors go into that so this is going to be hopefully a real world uh, research facility that's going to benefit students uh, going to benefit um, the overall kind of energy innovation you know sector in Vermont. And really as part of our vision with the McNeil Generating Station to have it be an innovative site, an innovation campus really for um, for Burlington and for uh, for the joint owners. So having this solar research center there is part of that, uh, we also have a district energy project that was approved. In late uh, 2023, by the city council, that's moving forward to the next steps with that project capture waste heat from the McNeil generating station and try to use it, and along with some additional steam uh, to really offset um, fossil fuel use for one of the city's uh, larger institutions, which is the University of Vermont Medical Center. Uh, For the future, we envision other similar innovative efforts at the McNeil site. So we're really proud of
0: the Solar Research Center and the partnership with UVM and Sarah Sanders and the Department of Energy. So I wanted to wrap up our conversation by focusing in on, on a, obviously a, a big, big uh, area of of effort for the utility and the city of Burlington, which is specifically the, the city's net zero by 2030 goal. I wanted to know if you could offer our listeners an update on this uh, goal and detail how the utility is helping to achieve this goal. Yeah, absolutely. This is kind of our North Star
1: for the city and for Burlington Electric in terms of our climate efforts, which is to reduce and eventually eliminate fossil fuel use and the uh, ground transportation and the thermal sectors. Those two sectors are the largest sources of emissions, according to the Vermont uh, Emissions Inventory, uh, in the state and and as well in the city, uh, based on the work we did with Synapse Energy Economics uh, from Cambridge when they helped us put together the the original Net Zero uh, Energy Roadmap that was released in 2019. So since 2019... There have been a variety of efforts to uh, really try to make progress against the baseline uh, data that we had from 2018. And uh, the good news is we have made some progress as of the last uh, reporting, which we did earlier in 2023 and based on 2022 data. um, We have reduced greenhouse gas emissions uh, overall in those two sectors, fossil fuel use overall in those two sectors uh, by over 10 percent since 2018. But we recognize that there are some different aspects of that uh, within that you know w- within that overall picture. Uh, we're seeing that uh, commercial sector uh, thermal uh, fossil fuel use is trending you know towards more of a rebound, uh, whereas we've seen on the ground transportation side, for example, you know there was an effect during COVID where we had less fossil fuel use, less emissions, and Burlington's been able to more or less hold on to that lower threshold, and we haven't seen the rebound effect in the ground transportation sector. So we know we have a lot of work to do. And I mentioned district energy. Uh One of the aspects that's compelling about district energy is it makes a projected 16% reduction in the commercial sector, uh, fossil fuel use for the city, natural gas use. So it's one of the biggest steps we can take really to make a dent uh, in that sector. We also, in 2023, passed um, a really you know, forward-looking carbon fee ordinance, uh, which was a result of really three years of work with the electric department, the Department of Permitting, our mayor, Moreau Weinberger, our city council. So starting uh, this year, starting this month, really, uh, in 2024, if you're building a new building in the city of Burlington, uh, you either have to use electrification or renewable fuels uh, for your thermal systems, or you're going to pay $150 per ton a uh, carbon fee uh, that is a one-time impact fee based on expected lifetime output of any fossil fuel-based system, and we also applied a similar uh, carbon fee to any large existing buildings, which we're defining as fifty thousand square feet or larger that install fossil fuel uh, heating and water heating systems. Uh, so essentially, it's a signal to the larger uh, buildings, larger institutions in the city as they do their capital planning. Uh, that when they go to replace their existing systems, they should do so with either electrification or with renewable fuel systems, or they're going to have to incorporate uh, a fee. And the fee is going to go to help income qualified residents in Burlington access clean heating technology. So if we do receive fee proceeds, they'll be put to very good use in the city. So, you know, some policy efforts to help drive progress, some projects like District Heat and then, you know, clearly Burlington Electric has played, it will continue to play a strong role in offering customers incentives that combine with our state and federal incentives. So for everything from electric vehicles to heat pumps, uh, electric lawnmowers to electric snowblowers, electric bikes, electric transit buses, electric cooking, you know, we've got incentive programs for our customers funded in part by the liquidity that's provided from our net zero energy revenue bond in 2021. And 2022. And that's part of our effort is to keep offering those incentives and really try to drive some progress that way as well. So we're throwing everything we can uh, at this challenge, trying to do so in a way that's smart and replicable, where other communities might look at what we're doing and say, hey, that's something that worked well in Burlington, was economically beneficial there uh, for their customers. Maybe that's something we can adopt because, you know, Burlington reducing our emissions is a good thing. Uh, but if we want to have an outsized impact beyond, uh, what we can do here, then we have to create really smart, uh, economically beneficial programs that other utilities, other communities can look at and say, hey, that's something maybe we can uh, uh, look at as an approach for ourselves as well. So more to come. Uh, we've got a, a new uh, net zero energy roadmap update we expect in April of this year that'll look at our 2023 data, show how we're doing in terms of you know even more current data. And uh, we expect around that time as well to announce some new incentive programs uh, and new, you know, technology related programs, uh, part of which we've we've discussed here today. Some of those will be implemented hopefully by the spring of
0: 2024. Two quick follow up questions, if I could. Um, one, you know, you, you've obviously had uh, the robust interactions with customers as it relates to the net zero by 2030 goal. I I wanted to know if if there was, I'm I'm assuming there's some kind of overarching uh, communication strategy that you guys are engaged with customers on in terms of, uh, you know, letting them know about updates related to the goal. And then a second question is with respect to EVs, is there, you know, even anecdotally, do you have a sense as to the the level of interest of customers that um, are served by Burlington Electric Department in terms of electric vehicles?
1: Yeah, those are both really good questions. In terms of, You know, communications, we we communicate in a variety of ways on this data. And then on these programs, you know, we definitely do uh, press conferences with the mayor and different community uh, stakeholders to to get the message out about new programs or new initiatives. Uh, We actually we brought our first uh, electric bucket truck for our line crew, first of its kind in the state last year. We had a great press conference around that that got good coverage. And then our customers can learn about it through watching the news. We do, uh, you know, reasonable amount on social media and also on Front Porch Forum, which is a, a community uh, serve approach um, that's well read. And uh, also we have community newspapers like the North Avenue News where we communicate and really getting out to different events. You know, we've had a good presence uh, all throughout the community at different events from, you know, things like the Art Hop Festival that we have in Burlington to the Juneteenth Uh, celebration that we have in Burlington to just uh, having a presence at um, uh, things like Somerville, which is a local uh, food and music festival uh, that happens. Uh, We we really try to be out where our customers are and talking with them. Uh, We even host a Net Zero Energy Festival for our customers in September. Uh, We did the second one uh, ever last year, and we're hoping to make that an annual event that keeps getting bigger. So lots of different ways to try to you know, get the word out. Um, even having said all that, I never feel like we've done as much as we want to, because you still will definitely see, you know, customers who who haven't heard about some of these programs. And so we have to keep being innovative about the approaches that we take. And, you know, we live in a community where we have a number of students, people coming in in the community, out of the community. Uh, we have a high population of renters in Burlington mm. uh, relative to the rest of Vermont. And so we have to keep communicating because we also have uh, new people coming as customers each year, and we have to keep letting them know about our programs. And then in terms of um the electric vehicles, you know, we have had a reasonable uptake, certainly not at the level that we need for the Net Zero roadmap. Um, but we have, I believe, over 600 customers have received an electric vehicle rebate from BED, and a higher percentage of customers have EVs because uh, some customers may get an EV, but they aren't eligible for our rebate for one or more reasons. So we're seeing more and more EVs. It's definitely helpful that we have more all-wheel drive, four-wheel drive mm-hmm. options in Vermont. Obviously, with the weather, mm-hmm. uh, more trucks. Uh, for example, those are you know popular in Vermont. So we're seeing that. I think the one challenge that remains uh, in particular is you know the price point, uh, particularly for the newer vehicles, is still. High, and the finance rates right now are are relatively high compared to recent years. So there are some headwinds in that respect. We are working really hard to build out our charging network uh, in Burlington um, in different ways. You know we're piloting a, a charger that is going to be connected to a utility pole and we'll actually drop a charger down from the top of the pole for uh, street parking, and uh, particular in areas where people may not have off street parking. Uh, options to be able to charge overnight. We're trying to make sure that they have ability to charge their EV in um, those types of neighborhoods where we may not have as much off-street parking and then also investing in fast chargers around the community as well. So, you know, we're we're pleased that we're seeing more and more EVs on the road, but I know that there is a lot more for us to do uh, to get to the
0: adoption rates that are consistent with our own uh, climate goals. Darren, well, thanks so much for taking the time out of your day. That's been a really informative conversation and, uh, just throwing this out there right now. Love to have you back a uh, third time as a guest. And I promise there will be less of a, a time lag between uh, the, today and, and the next time we'd have you back. So um, love to have you back at some point in the future. That sounds great, Paul. Thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Sure thing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Public Power Now, which is produced by Julio Guerrero, graphic and digital designer at APPA. I'm Paul Shimpoling. We'll be back next week with more from the world of public power.